Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. Hallelujah. As you remain seated, let's look to the word of the Lord this morning in the book of Luke, chapter number 9. Begin reading at verse number 57. Our subject this morning is On the Road with Jesus. On the Road with Jesus. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And then he said to another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. On the road with Jesus, on the road with Jesus. Church, there are certain seasons that will come up in our discipleship journey that will require complete and total focus and total commitment to the Lord no matter what. At this time in this passage in the Bible, Jesus knew that he only had just several years here on this earth and he needed his disciples' focus. What can be more important than being on an actual journey with God himself. You know, when Jesus came, he came to fulfill prophecy, and one of the prophecies was that Messiah would rule and reign out of Jerusalem. He would restore the kingdom, he would take dominion over the enemies, and everything would just be awesome. The people that follow God will indulge, the people that follow God will lead, the people that follow God will have ultimate power. And that's what the disciples, many of them, were picturing Jesus to do, that if they follow him, he will take them from their poor and lowly state and establish them as kings and establish them as leaders with him. But there's also Bible prophecy that said Messiah would suffer, that he would become lowly, that he would be betrayed, that he would be rejected. And that is what Jesus came to do first. He came lowly. He came to be rejected. He suffered for our sins, and we're still celebrating the Easter season. Amen. Are you thankful that the Lord took away your sins on the cross? Praise God. But you better believe that when he comes back a second time, he's not coming back with a crown of thorns on his head, but he's coming back with a crown of gold on his head. Amen. He's not just going to ride on a small little mule into the city. Oh, no, he's going to ride out of heaven itself upon a white stallion. And he's not just going to come along, oh no, but he's coming with the armies of heaven to destroy the devil, to destroy the beast, to destroy the sin, to destroy the enemies, and to set up his kingdom here on this earth. And that's why you've got to be ready for it. Can you say praise the Lord? And many of his followers, while here on this earth, they thought that's what was going to happen. He was going to establish it, and it was going to become big. And they, they wanted him to remove the Romans and to remove the Greeks and to remove all of the enemies out of the land. But Jesus came preaching and teaching something different. He came preaching that whosoever will can come into my kingdom. 
It wasn't time to conquer to set up the kingdom, but it was time to love and to offer his life and to fight and to be lifted up and to draw as many as he could to build this kingdom. And while he's walking on the road with many disciples following him, I don't know, several hundred, it could have been a thousand that day, walking on the road, one of his followers spoke up and said, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus turned around and by his answer, we know that this man was saying, I'm going to follow you to a big palace. I'm going to follow you to a large, a large fortress And you and I are going to eat big meals. You and I are going to sleep in. You and I are just going to rule this world, and it's going to be great. And Jesus turned around at this follower who said, I'll follow you wherever. He says, you see those foxes over there? Tonight, they're going to crawl in their hole, and they're going to sleep very well. Which, by the way, the other day, I looked out in my backyard. Little Melina was saying, Daddy, is that a fox? I said, there's no way. But I looked out, and sure enough, in my backyard, there was a fox in my backyard. I couldn't believe it. And Jesus says... Foxes have holes. They sleep comfortably in them. And he said, you see those birds in the tree over there? They built a little nest, and they're going to sleep very comfortable tonight. But he said, me, the son of man, I have nowhere to lay my head where we're going. He said, I don't have a house in this next city we're journeying to. My house is way back by the Sea of Galilee in Capernaum. I don't have a house. I don't have property there. I have no idea where we're going to sleep tonight. But I just know that when we get there, we're going to preach the kingdom of God and great things are going to happen. See, I think a lot of times you and I think the same way that when we get in church and we get baptized and we get filled with the Holy Ghost, that all of a sudden we're going to be millionaires. And God is going to pull us up from that little house and build us a big old house. And all of a sudden we're going to go from driving this kind of car to just great, beautiful cars, you know, because God shall supply all of my hopes and dreams. God shall desire all of my cravings, all the things that I want. God is just going to make me filthy rich and I'm just going to indulge. And you get in the kingdom of God and you realize, well, wait a minute, living excessively is one of the enemies of walking with God. And you realize, you know, God gives me what I can handle and what can structure my life to keep me saved. Come on, somebody. To keep me living holy, to keep me living right. You know what? Ultimately, I think God is saying is, you know, enjoy your time here on earth, but not so much because your real hope and your real dream and the real good things are not in this world, but it's in the world to come. He didn't come to prepare a place for us on this earth, but in the heavens itself. Amen. Hallelujah. Can I tell you this? The richest person in the world, their house and their property, their estate doesn't even compare to the poorest person up in the heavenly realm. Come on. Our streets are made of concrete. Our streets are made of asphalt. Our streets are made of gravel. You know what the streets are made of up in there in heaven? Just the streets. They're made of gold. What do you think the houses are made out of? What do you think that this and that are made out of? Amen. If you put your trust and invest in the kingdom of God, he'll give you a home and a place in eternity far greater than you could ever achieve in this world. Praise him. Oh, we're ready to go to heaven and see it. Amen. But he said, when you follow me, don't expect it to be luxurious. He said, the foxes are going to be more comfortable tonight than you and I. The birds are going to be happier tonight where they sleep than you and I. Because the kingdom of God, when you're a true follower of Jesus, you're going to run into situations that aren't always the most convenient, not always the most comfortable. 
And God is not trying to discourage anybody from that, but what he is saying is it's going to require a commitment and you're going to come up on places and times and seasons where you're not really that comfortable. The woods, the animals are going to be more happier than you are in some seasons of your life and walking with God. Pastor Gleason has shared the story before that in his early 20s, after he and Sister Gleason got married, they started evangelizing. And they came to a church, and this is back before the days of really nice hotels and churches, you know, treating guest ministers with a lot of nice hospitality. In this church, they said, oh, we got a real nice place for you to stay. It's in our Sunday school room down the hall here. And Pastor and Sister Gleason walked in, and they took two cots and put them together. And they said, this is your place to sleep, you know. Real nice five-star Sunday school room, <laughs> praise God. And after preaching a long revival, you know, a Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, all of that, Monday morning came, it was the day off, you know, for the guest preacher. And everything was going good, everything was comfortable, but at 7 a.m., Pastor and Sister Gleason are tired from the revival, you understand. Revival will wear you out. Just wait till passing the mantle comes. Man, I'm wore out after passing the mantle. You think about doing that week after week after week as an evangelist, so Monday comes and Pastor is just exhausted it's 7 a.m. It's not time to get up. It's time for evangelists to sleep in until 2 p.m., okay? But it's 7 a.m., and pastors had patience all along. I've been content to stay where they put him, eat what is set before him, all that. But it's 7 a.m., and he wakes up hearing the Christian school next door. And there's there's sweet, old-fashioned Pentecostal lady with her hair piled up real high, sat down on that grand piano to get the children started for their grade school, and she starts singing, This is the day. This is the 7 a.m. This is the day that the Lord. And all the kids are clapping and getting ready for their class. And Pastor and Sister Gleason are trying to sleep in the room next door. And it's like, oh, my God, I did not sign up for this. That is following Jesus in a place where he had nowhere to lay his head. I don't have a story quite like that, but something a little similar. When I graduated from Bible college, I wasn't married. I was single, okay? God had to give me the wife, you know, a little a bit later on, praise the Lord, and I'm glad he did. And, uh, but in my early years of ministry, I was a guest speaker at a church, kind of way, way out there, you know, and the pastor said, I want you to stay at my youth pastor's house. I said, okay, that's fine. I walk in the youth pastor's house. The youth pastor is not married. He has his own house. There's no wife in the house. There's no mom in the house. What does that mean? The place is a disaster. It's not clean. So we had dinner, had a little fellowship, and he said, all right, it's time to go to bed. You're staying down at the hall next to my room. He opens the door. I walk in, and there was a futon broken, shifted like this, and cat hair all over it. He said, have a good night's rest. So I tried my best to make a space there, to be happy, to be comfortable. And just when I got comfortable about to fall asleep, all of a sudden I heard the loudest snoring I've ever heard in my life in that room next door. I thought, oh my Lord. The birds were more comfortable that night than me. The foxes were become more comfortable that night than me. Can I tell you this? I woke up that next morning having to preach at that church Sunday morning, Sunday night. Can I tell you, I woke up a little bit frustrated because I thought I'm going to Bible college and then I'm going to go to churches and they're going to treat me like royalty. They're going to put me up in the nicest hotels, and I'm going to eat steak and crab legs and salmon. Oh, no, it was sloppy joes and cat hair. <laughs> Woo! But can I tell you this? I got in the pulpit in that little country church. I mean, a little country church. 
And I got up, declared that that day was the day of the Lord and miracles were going to happen that day. And before it was all said and done in that revival, God baptized three people with the gift of the Holy Ghost by the sign of speaking in other tongues. And not only that, but there was a lady who came forward with an unusual, doctors couldn't help her, an unusual hip pain and an unusual knee pain. And she came forward and asked me to pray for her. And I said, sister, absolutely I will. And I put my hands upon her head and I spoke to that hip and I spoke to that knee and I commanded those bones and those muscles and the nerve flow and the muscles and everything to come together and that nerve would be no more pain and that she could walk normally and sleep normally and function normally. And at the end of that prayer, I looked down and I saw the glory of God fall down upon her and she began to shout, I can move, I can dance, I'm healed. And she danced all across that altar and was healed under the power of the name of Jesus. And can I tell you this, when you go out there and make disciples and you go out there, amen, and really get after it, it won't be nice all the time. You won't sleep in the best places. You won't live in the best places. But can I tell you what? That's usually when the glory of God manifests the strongest. That's usually when angels manifest. That's usually when miracles, signs, and wonders can happen because God has come to the poor. He has come to the needy. He has come to those without. And he has sent you and I to preach the gospel to them. Can you clap your hands? unto the Lord. Oh, praise God. When you go with him, you better go where he goes. It may not be the best. It may not be the most glamorous, but if God said go, you have got to go with me. As they continued down that road, one of the followers said, you know what? I forgot. I got to go home. I've got to go and bury my father. Now, keep in mind, this is Israel back then. This isn't America nowadays. Back then, they handled the death of their loved ones, their parents, much differently than you and I. Back then, whenever a loved one would pass, they would prepare their body, anoint it with oil, many spices, and wrap it in fine linen. They loved and respected the dead. And they didn't bury them in the ground. They usually buried them in caves. They usually would carve out... uh, Uh, holes in the rocks and place their loved ones there and that is where they would bury them after a year's time a year or two years time they would come back to the body the body would have been decayed and all that would remain were the bones and the people the family would gather the bones of their loved one and put them in a special box an ossuary this process was called the dead burying the dead the second burial and what this follower is saying is I've got to go get my father's bones I've got to go do the process. I've got to follow the tradition. And Jesus looks at him. Now, Jesus is not mean here. But what he is saying here is let the dead bury their dead. In other words, let the people that are already there handle this situation. Let the people that are already there focus on it. You are right now with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You are right now with the Messiah. Is it really a time to walk away and deal with a family situation? Is it really a time to go back and do this? It wasn't the time for grief. It wasn't the time for mourning. It had already happened. It was just simply a family thing. And Jesus is saying there's other cities and towns to preach in. There's other cities and towns, amen, that have got to hear the gospel. Is it really time to move away from this holy moment of consecration, being with the Lord face to face to take care of a family situation? Is it really time to get distracted with the cares of this life? 
Because that's really what Jesus is really trying to say here is there are certain times when the Lord is the priority. It's like being in the military. You can't worry about the sorrows going on back home. It's like being a police officer or somebody in security. You can't worry about your personal life at that moment and at that time. Jesus is saying it's got to be total focus on the kingdom of God if you're going to truly be a follower of me. When I was in Bible college, there was a student in a class underneath me. Let me tell you, this guy was talented. Oh, this guy could preach. This guy could sing. He could do it all. And he came to Bible college to find direction for his life and to begin his ministry like we were all there to do. But in the middle of the first semester, he got a horrible phone call, a phone call that his mother had passed away suddenly. You can imagine how heartbreaking that was. You can imagine how sorrowful that was. And we gathered around him and we prayed for him and we loved on him. We helped him during that time. And he packed up his bags and went home. He went home to bury his mother. About two weeks later, he came back. And we were all so excited to see him. You know, he's finally back and we're ready to keep on moving forward with our ministries and our callings and our education. And it was so sad to see him come back and he said, I'm not going to finish school. I'm just going to go home. My mother's death, I cannot handle it. And I cannot pursue the call of God right now. I'm going to have to put it on hold. I'm going to have to just put it aside. And we helped him load all of his things in his truck and he drove off. And I've never seen him again to this day. I don't know where he is. I don't know what he was doing. And I feel terrible for what happened in his family. But he let that crisis and that family thing happen. And it deviated him from the call of God on his life. I remember calling him about a month later and he said, yeah, I've got a job here at a little fast food restaurant. I'm just kind of going to church and not really doing much, but I just want to be here with my family. And I didn't argue with him. I didn't try to change his mind. I don't know where he is to this day, but one thing I know that the Lord did call him to commit to Bible school. The Lord did call him to stay there for a time and season. And because of a tragic life event, he walked away from the call of God. And I don't know where he is at to this day, but can I tell you this? I experienced troubling times during Bible college. I experienced hard times in Bible college. You don't think for one minute I didn't miss this church and I wanted to be back here involved in what God was doing. But oh no, I wanted to come back, but I knew God told me to stay here for a certain place and a certain time. And you can't be distracted, Justin, with certain things. And I don't know where he's at to this day, but one thing I know, I am here at TLC preaching the word of God to the church I love because I stuck it out. I stayed with it. I followed God, amen, as long as he wanted me me too. Church, don't become distracted with the cares of this life. Don't become distracted and pulled down by the affairs of the family and the friends. And even when things are tough and our things are hard, if Jesus said, follow me, walk with me, stay with me for a time, if it's a month, two months, a year, two years, three years, however long it is, whatever it takes, stay with God during that time and watch God do wonders in your life. Watch God do miracles in your life because you sought him First, praise God. Mm. Somebody shout first. This man wanted to go and bury his father, his bones, first. And Jesus said, if you really want to be with me, you've got to seek my kingdom first. I've got to become your priority first. I've got to be your God first. My kingdom, my calling, my mission has got to be first. 
And I tell you why this church is on fire. I tell you why we saw videos like that. Is it's because of disciple makers saying, I'm going to give up a meal with my family and take care of the lost first. I'm going to put aside my hopes and my dreams and take care of the mission of Jesus first. That's why this church is on the move. That's why this church has true life. It's because we gave up this life and followed Jesus. Praise God. You and I are here because somebody put the kingdom of God first. You and I got saved because somebody put aside their hopes and dreams and all of their goals and aspirations in this life. And they invested in you. That's disciple making. That's loving the lost. That's loving the gospel. That's loving the truth. And I feel the power of God moving upon somebody's heart to put the kingdom of God first Here today, you're going to see disciples made. You are going to see miracles happen. You are going to pray through your backslidden child. Amen. God is going to use you to do it. Can you clap your hands unto the Lord? He had another disciple on the road say, Lord, Lord, I can't make it. I've got to go back. There's some people at my house and I got to tell them goodbye. And I can just imagine Jesus turn around saying, tell him goodbye, say farewell. Is that really what is most important right now? We're on this road going to minister. We're on this road going to see the supernatural. And you want to tell somebody goodbye? You want to go back and socialize with people? You want to go back and have a good time in your house? You want to leave this? You want to leave this opportunity to go be with some people in your house? And that's when Jesus says, no man who's a farmer puts his hands to the plow to plow up his field, looks back. He said they don't do that. You know why? Because if they get to looking around, their lines are going to get crooked. They're going to fall and collapse. That field right there is how they feed their family. That field right there where they plant seed and harvest is how they survive. And when they set their hands to the plow, it doesn't matter what's going on over here or over here or back there. It's plow time, focused plow time. Now, I've never plowed a field. I've never hooked up a horse or an ox or any of that and had a plow and just, I've never done that. I've planted a few tulips, sprinkled a little bit of grass seed in the yard. That's about it. But I'll never forget when I was nine years old and dad said, come on, son. It's time for you to quit playing video games and get to work. Let's mow the grass. Yes. So I get out there. Dad says, all right, I want you to make a perimeter a couple times around the lawn and come back here. And I did that. worked great. I was proud of myself. I felt like a professional. Dad said, now here comes the hard part. It's the first line in the lawn. You know, Dad, we would like to have straight lines in the lawns, us Gleasons, right? And Dad said, when, you'd make a, when you make a line in the lawn, he said, I don't want you to be focused on this in the yard. Don't be focused on that. Don't be focused on what's happening up in the sky with the planes or the clouds or what's going on in the house. He said, I want you to focus on a fence post or focus on, you know, maybe a tree or focus on somebody's front door that you see in the neighborhood. Focus on that and just go and focus right on that. That's how you get straight lines. And I thought, I've got this. I'll make the straightest lines ever. And I started pushing that mower, and I got distracted with a little, you know, grasshopper and started looking at that grasshopper here. And, oh, there's a little this here. And, oh, there's a plane there. And there's a cloud there. And I wonder if mom's making lunch yet back in the house and all of that. And when I got down to the end of the lawn, I turned around and looked back, hoping to see a nice straight line to start. But instead, I saw this. 
made a nice banana there in the yard. And Jesus is saying to his church, no more bananas in your walk with God. He's saying, my kingdom is how you're going to survive. My kingdom is your hope for eternal life. My word, my way is the only thing that's going to help you get out of hell. My word and my way is the only way that's going to give you any satisfaction or any comfort. And when you put your hands to the plow of the kingdom of God, you can't be worrying about who's back at the house. You can't be worrying about who you got to say hi to and who you got to say goodbye to and the socialization and all of that. You have got to stay focused on the Lord. I worry about people after the message is preached and the altar call is given that don't come down to pray, but they go right for the narthex to go out there and schmooze and talk and pass business cards and have a good time. There's nothing wrong with that, but let me tell you what, the altar and prayer comes first before talking. The altar and prayer comes first before telling somebody goodbye. The altar and prayer comes first before the buffet. The altar comes first, first, first. Oh, hallelujah. You've got to make God first. That's how you stay on the road with him. If you musicians would please come. This church has been through some things. We have seen God take us from nothing to something better than nothing. We're nowhere near where we want to be. We're still on this journey together. You go back and look at 40th and Harrison where we began and then you look at 720 South Richmond, and then you come over here to View High, there's no way you can't look and say, wow, God has been good to this church. We went from not having anything. We went from not having a building. Pastor said we were homeless for a time, and we went from that to being landowners. Praise God. God has been good to us. And it's because when we started on this journey together, we said we don't care where we have to sleep tonight. We don't care where we have to go. Just to be with Jesus is everything that we want and hope for. For some of us, we suffered pain. For some of us, we suffered loss. But we said, we'll worry about that later. Right now, we're in a time and season. We have got to commit and keep on going. Some of us had family we cared about. Some of us had friends we wanted to spend time with. Some of us had this and that. But we said, you know what? That'll come later. The time of fun will come later, but we're in the middle of a campaign. We're in the middle of a pandemic. It's no time really to have entertainment. It's no time to have a lot of fun. It's time to get consecrated. The signs of the times that God is coming back are all around us. It's time to pray. It's time to get a hold of God. It's time to flush out a lot of entertainment. It's time to get rid of negative influences. Amen. It's time to be right. It's time to focus, amen, on God and work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We didn't plan on having to change our schedule here at this church, but COVID-19 has forced us to do it. And I tell you this, back in the 90s, Sunday was Sunday. Sunday was only church day. Some of you remember it. 9.30 a.m., prayer. 10 a.m., Sunday school. 11 a.m., church. And then we all ran over to Furs Cafeteria, amen, for lunch. Oh, I missed that place. Mm. Then you ran home and took a nap. Then you get up and get that tie on, ruffle your hair a little bit. Then you run back to church for choir practice at 4.30. Then you have prayer at 5.30. And then you had church at 6 p.m. 
And then we all went to the pizza buffet about 9.30 and finally got home at about 11, went to sleep and got up to work on Monday morning. And I can feel it. Some of you are like getting exhausted thinking just about that. Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> but we made it work. When we sold our building, we had to adjust our schedule. And it was odd for a lot of us. It was breaking our traditions. We weren't as comfortable as we once were. But bless God, we got used to it. And we started liking it. And nowadays, we try to have church on Sunday night. And you all know you don't want to come to church here on Sunday night. It's time to kick back on the lazy boy. Spend time with the family. And I don't know if we'll ever go back to a regular Sunday night just because of the change and the blessings that God has done. God has done the same thing to us in this time and this season. This season has made us uncomfortable. This season has made us to force ourselves. As it were, the foxes and the birds out in the woods have been more comfortable during this pandemic. Have the foxes complained about the COVID-19? I haven't seen a fox with a mask on. I haven't seen a bird with a mask on. The birds and the foxes don't know anything, but you and I are feeling it because you and I are made in the image of God and we're called to the kingdom and you and I are affected by all of this. And I don't know if we'll ever go back to our old schedule. The 10 a.m. classes and the 10.45 a.m. worship service. I don't know. But can I tell you this? I was looking through my journal the other day. In the year 2010, this church was knocking on the door of 500 members. 500 members. We were up in the 490s consistently, Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And can I tell you this? Up until this point, this point, 10 years later, our church still is running those same numbers. Could it be that our old schedule wasn't geared for growth? Could it be that our old schedule really wasn't made for growth? Because we've been packing this parking lot out and this, and this sanctuary out. And we're Americans. We like our space. We got big trucks out there. We need big spots. And now with a 9 a.m. and an 11, you know what it's done? It's a schedule that's opened up growth. It's made room for more disciples. And could it be that this is what God wants us to do as a church? I know we miss the old ways. I know we miss how things used to be. But could it be Jesus is walking on the road with us, turning around, saying, is your old schedule worth it to go back to? Oh, no, I've got something better for you ahead. Is it worth it to try to go back to the old ways? You can leave it if you want, but for the rest of us, we're going to something new and something better, a greater revival, a greater harvest. We didn't plan on this happening. It was uncertainty. We didn't plan on these changes. But through society and through this culture and through the plan and the will of God, we have had to adapt. And what God is saying is don't let it discourage you. Don't let it cause you to become distracted. Because yes, Satan will tempt you with sin. He will tempt you to go back to the drugs. He will tempt you to go back to the alcohol. He will tempt you to go back to the life of lasciviousness. He will tempt you with all of those things. But when you come to the church and you realize none of those things gave me any happiness, the sin and the, and the things of this world mean nothing to me. Well, what Satan got left to tempt you with? The cares of this life, your life priorities, your schedule, your will, the way you want things to be. And he will doing it, and he is doing it now in this time and season. And Jesus is saying, keep your hands on the plow, church. Don't become critical. 
Don't become, amen, carnal. Don't become, amen, a complainer during this time. But you just stick with it. You just be glad the church doors are open. You be glad you still got a place. You be glad you still got a job. And just trust me and follow me and watch me give you a revival that'll blow your mind. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's all stand together. Praise God. You know what Jesus said? Stay on the road with me. I know you got dead to bury. I know you got people to talk to. I know some of you can't get a good night's sleep unless you're in your own house or a nice place. But Jesus is saying, if you will follow me on this road, there is something great that's going to happen. See, Jesus had the future on his mind. And you read in your Bible in the book of Luke, the very next chapter, Luke chapter 10, you know what happens after that trip on the road? After some went back to go bury this and go say hello to this and this and that, the ones that stuck it out, there were 70 of them. Jesus laid hands on those 70 and he ordained them as ministers. He said, you are now apostles and I sent you into the lost cities of Israel. And they went into the lost cities and for the first time, they were able to preach the gospel and baptize people. For the first time, they were able to lay hands on the sick and they recovered. They saw the dead raised. They saw blinded eyes open. They saw deaf ears open and they cast out devils. And they came back and told Jesus, Lord, we stuck with you on the road and you sent us out and we saw miracles and we did it just like you did it. We cast out devils like you did. We performed miracles like you did. We baptized the kingdom of God is advancing. And the Bible says that Jesus began to rejoice. And he began to dance and he began to praise the Lord because his followers were doing what he had done. They were able to do it because they stuck with him. They didn't worry about their life. They didn't worry about this or that. They said, if Jesus said, follow me now and not go anywhere else, I am sticking with it. That is when the revival comes. That is when the miracle comes. And God is pulling on the hearts of TLC today. Can you stay on the road with me? Can you stay on the road with me? Can you not be distracted with your life here or there, but can you stay on the road with me? And I've come to tell the Lord, yes, God, we're going to follow you to the very end. It doesn't matter where we sleep. It doesn't matter what we lose. It doesn't matter who is there or not there. We are following the Lord day in and day out. Praise God. Right now, your aisle to the left or to the right of you is your road right now. That is, as it were, figuratively, the road that you are on right now. And this altar is the city and the destination. I wonder if there's anybody right now that'd like to step out of your seat and walk down this road to the altar right now and just commit to the Lord all over again and say, Lord, I am going to follow you. There's things going on in this world that I can't grasp and understand, and I don't want any part of it, Lord. I just want you, Jesus. I just want you, Jesus. I don't care, Lord, where I have to sleep. I don't care, Lord, where I have to dwell. I just want you, Jesus. I've suffered loss, but it doesn't matter. I want you, Jesus, for with you there is no loss. There's nothing but gain. Lord, there's other people I wanted to be around. There's other people, Lord, I wanted to hang out with. There was other social classes I wanted to be, Lord. But there's nothing greater than what you have to offer. And I'll put it to the side for right now. I'll stick with Jesus. I'll be on the road with him. That's right. The Lord wants our hearts this morning, church. He wants our schedule. He wants our trust. 
He wants our love. He wants us to stay on the road with him. Come on, look down and see the footsteps of where the Lord has already walked and stay in those tracks. Amen. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Oh, he's easy to see. He's got nail-scarred hands. He's got a pierced side. He's got nail-scarred feet. Hallelujah. Oh, he's full of love. You can't miss him. He's full of grace. Amen. You can't miss him. Oh, he's there. He's on the road. He's walking. Let's walk with him. Walk with him. Walk with him. Go where he goes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.